Pray with me, please. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And you, Lord, are my rock and my redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let us all say amen. amen. So uh, let me go ahead and get this out of the way. I'm the geek pastor. So uh, I give handouts and all these sorts of things. So uh, handouts you may have. Uh, and if you haven't, hopefully the scripture that we're going to be looking at tonight is there. And this is John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. When you find it, uh, either in your Bibles electronically or the Bible that you brought here, paper Bible, or the handout that we gave, just say amen. amen. And I'll be reading tonight from the New International Version. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests had too much to drink. Ha, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did there in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. It is my honor and pleasure, you may be seated, it is my honor and pleasure to share with you what the Lord has given me tonight in a sermon that I've entitled, Why Not the Best? Why Not the Best? Now, I hope you can agree with me that weddings are a big deal. Weddings are a big deal. According to, and ushers, thank you so much, you may be seated Thank you so much for your service. According to something called the Knott's Real Wedding Study, the average wedding cost in 2022 was $30,000, including the reception and the ceremony. $30,000. Yeah, weddings are a big deal. Weddings are a big deal. They were a big deal today, and I've got four granddaughters, so my son's going to have to play for some weddings. <laughs> and they were also a big deal during biblical times. So the text that we're studying today from John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, tells the story of Jesus at a wedding. But at this wedding, he wasn't by himself, was he? The disciples were there, and also his mama, Mary. Now, during that time, like now, these weddings were extravagant affairs. They lasted several days, and there were merriment that was going on. There was partying, 
There was eating. There was dancing. And oh yes, the text tells us there was drinking. As the King James Version of the text tells us, when they wanted wine, Mary informed Jesus that there was no more. There was drinking going on. Folks were drinking wine. And now, after a mother-son conference, you know some of you who are mothers have had conferences with your sons, right? After a mother-son conference, and there was a bit of a debate because Mary said, Jesus, you are ready. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's not my time. But then Mary settled the debate and she said to the servants, do whatever he says. So Jesus contemplated that and he told the servants to do this. Take six water pots. There were six water pots there. And these water pots were basically used for a Jewish cleansing ritual. And Jesus told these servants to take these water pots and fill them up with water. And then take these water pots and give these water pots to the master of the banquet. So he took the water pots, they took the water pots, they gave them to the master of the banquet. The master of the banquet did not know where they came from, and he tasted them. And he said, hmm, this is excellent. This is some good wine. And he complimented the bridegroom. He said, you know, hey, bridegroom, normally what happens at these weddings? You serve the good wine first. Everybody gets drunk. And then you serve the cheap stuff, that Mad Dog 2020. You serve at last. But no, you serve the good stuff. The Riesling, the top of the line, you served it first. Yes, my father used to run a liquor store. <laughs> so we can see, and I am so glad that the choir sung that song about being excellent. And we talked about that this Sunday. And it fit right in what we're going to talk about. Because God... When he gave us Jesus, he gave us what? His best. And when Jesus was interacting with us, the very first miracle that we see Jesus perform, Jesus did what? He gave us his best. So I've got two questions I want to ask tonight and four points. My first question is, as we gather on this wonderful Lenten night, are we giving God our best? Are we giving God our best? The Bible gives us some clear instructions about how we can give God our best. And I would also say within our midst, walking the earth contemporary with us, there are people that we can point to, examples of folks who have given their best that can guide us along the way. So, I want to talk about those. And my 
first point is this, and this is kind of a pathway. These are traits that we could adopt ourselves so we can give God our best. And the first one is this. Can we commend ourselves to living a life of high godly standards? Can we commend ourselves to living a life of high godly standards? Joseph maintained high godly standards. Even when it was, could have been easier for him not to. We all remember the story in Genesis where Joseph, who was a good looking dude, was in the employ of this fellow. And the fellow had a rambunctious wife. And he said, then the wife said, Joseph, Joseph, come lay with me. Now the Bible is X-rated, okay? We already got drinking, so we might as well have this now too. Come lay with me. Nobody will know. But Joseph has what? Godly high standards. And he said, mm-mm, not going to do it. But she was so rambunctious. What did she do? She, she held on to his garment. He was trying to get away. The garment broke, and the garment laid in her hand. And she was upset. She was mad. She was jealous. She was scorned. And what did she do? Huh. He tried to attack me. We've heard that before in the American South, have we not? And Joseph went to jail because of his high moral standards. Setting godly standards, he did that. Now, I think all of us have thoughts and prayers for Jimmy Carter. As we reflect on his life, I believe that we can all say that he lived a life based on high godly standards. From a humble beginning in Plains, Georgia, to the governor's mansion, to the White House, and his past presidential life, Jimmy Carter, I believe, has lived up to the principle of high moral standards. In fact, the title of this lesson comes from a book that Carter wrote in 1975 called Why Not the Best? High moral standards. Godly standards. Now let me be clear about this, okay? Living a life with high godly standards does not mean that you are not going to make a mistake. It does not mean that you're not going to sin. It does not mean that you're going to offend someone because you did something and they so much expect that your standards are so high. How in the world could you do that? We are human. But it is our task to try to uphold high moral standards. Now, the second trait that I want to talk about is long-term godly excellence. Long-term godly excellence. And I can think of no better person to think about in the world today who exemplified 
that than Hank Aaron. And so I was with Pastor and we were back in his office and he had pictures of baseball players. He had pictures of Willie Mays. He had pictures of Jackie Robinson. I almost said, well, where's your picture of Hammer and Hank? Because I don't know about you, Hank Aaron's my favorite baseball player. You know why he's my favorite baseball player? Because of his long-term excellence. You look at his records. If you take away the 755 home runs from him, he still has over 3,000 hits. He was the major league leader and still is the major league leader in RBIs, walks. And he batted over 300 for his entire career. But here's the thing about long-term excellence. If you look at his home run totals, he never led the league in homers. But every year he'd hit about 30 of them. And you do that for 20 years, you sneak up on Babe Ruth, and the next thing they knew, he had passed them. Long-term excellence. We all know about Esther, don't we? We know about her bravery and confronting the king, but how about Mordecai? Mordecai adopted Esther. Mordecai kind of arranged for the marriage for Esther with the king in the first place. And Mordecai uncovered the, the plot to do away with God's people. It was Mordecai's sustained excellence behind the scenes that made everything happen. We don't have to be the most flashy person in the world to get it done. But we do need to commit ourselves to long-term, sustained, godly excellence. Now, here's the third trait. Godly innovation and creativity. Godly innovation and creativity. And when I think about godly innovation and creativity, I think of Nehemiah. Nehemiah gets the word that, hey, back home in Jerusalem, the walls have fallen. And then Nehemiah immediately goes to his knees in prayer. He asks God, will you let this king let me go so I can go back home? Sounds like your pastor. And he goes back home. And immediately the creativity and the innovation starts. It's a master class how he got the wall back up. It's a master class in terms of the architecture. It's a master class in terms of how he dealt with all of those folks who had their own particular agendas. And he dealt with them in a godly way. Again, it sounds like you're a pastor. Now, if we look in the world today, there is a young lady by the name of Yvette Lee Browser. And we talked about her last week in our, in, our, in our Black History Moment. We're still doing Black History Moments at Greater Bethel. We try to do one every week. And you may not know that name, Yvette Lee Browser. But you certainly know of something that she did and put out into the universe. It was a show called Living Single. She was 27 years old when she birthed that show. 
And for the last 30 years, she has been involved in a whole lot of television. Creativity. Innovation. Because that's something that folks, black folks are not supposed to be doing, especially in Hollywood. And her creativity and innovation was so strong with the show Living Single that there's another show that copied the whole thing called Friends. Think about it. Creativity and innovation. Now the fourth trait is godly perseverance and courage. Godly perseverance and courage. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. And with those words, Mary was transformed from being a scared teenager to a confident mother. A confident mother. And think about this. Mary was just about everywhere Jesus was. Mary marveled when the wise man came to see the baby Jesus. Mary was certainly there drinking that wine when the miracle happened. And Mary, yes, Mary, was at the cross. Mary found favor with God. Mary practiced her faith with perseverance and courage. Because it took some perseverance because she was the mother of Jesus. And if they crucified Jesus, what are they going to do with the mother? 1974 at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Dr. King's mother was playing the organ. A deranged man came in and shot and killed her. The mother of the revolutionary is in just as much danger as the revolutionary themselves. But when I think about perseverance and when I think about courage, I think of your very own James Russell Smith. I've been reading this book and soon we're going to issue a little podcast that I did with him. And the Voices of Truth is a powerful example of the perseverance of one man to give this area excellence. To give this area godly excellence. And nothing, not racial discrimination, not the difficulty of perhaps not having enough money to do what he wanted to do, or even a pandemic stopped him from doing what he was doing. So those are the four things. But I want you to look back at verse 11. Verse 11 says this. What Jesus did, 
here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs to which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed him. And remember I said I was going to do two questions tonight. The first question is are you giving God your best? Here's the second question. Do you believe in him? Do you believe in him? Because again, it is not about perfection. It is not about screwing, taking someone and taking them over the coals because they may have made a mistake. It is not about you getting off of your game of giving yourself to the master, giving your best because somebody else does not have the same standards you had. So you're going to take your ball and go home. It is about believing in God. Because when you believe in God, think about our children in school. Our children in school who may have set high standards for themselves, but what happens to those standards? Folks want to knock them down because of them. Think about the worker who is working at long-term excellence, but everybody gets mad at that worker because doing a sloppy job is what everybody else does. Think about that church person who believes in godly innovation, that we don't have to have church within the four walls. We can go outside the four walls. We can use social media. We can use printed media. We can use all sorts of ways to get the gospel out to people, including knocking on doors to doors to doors but they get knocked down because we don't do that here. And finally, godly perseverance and courage. It takes courage to thus say the Lord and to be in our imperfect bodies because as much as we want to serve the Lord, the devil is after us. And when we make a mistake, some folks may think it's a lack of godly perseverance and courage. Instead, do you believe in him? Because if you believe in him, you can weather all of those storms and you can give your best to the master. So tonight, we have an opportunity to show our belief in God. In just a moment, I, I don't know if I'm doing the right protocol here, Pastor, or not, but I'm going to open the doors of the church. So, but the doors of the church are what? Always open. So in just a few moments, I am going to come down and hold out my hand and 
and uh, ask you to take my hand and give God your heart. But also we know there are a whole lot of folks who are looking online or who may be looking at this later. We're, we're going to send it out in the podcast or, or looking at it later. Uh, we're, we're, we're just doing an independent tape of it as well uh, for Greater Bethel. So if you are looking at this later on and you're not in the sanctuary, how do you connect with God? Well, let me tell you what we would like for you to do. Uh, I just want you to call me. Here's my real telephone number. You can call or text me, 608-358-1309. That's 608-358-1309. You just call or text me, and we can do just like a whole lot of other people have done. Let's have a conversation. A conversation about your faith. Again, now for our benediction, which is a covering of God's grace until we meet again. What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Now, those of us who are the disciples of Christ, let us go from here and spread his word far and wide. May the grace of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love and fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you and rule with you and rest with you henceforth now and forevermore. Let us all say... Thanks, it's your faithfulness in giving to Greater Bethel that allows us to do the work of the Lord. There are three ways you can give to us. First, you can use Catch App by typing dollar sign Bethel 140. Second, you can give using Giveify. Simply at a Greater Bethel Athens. Finally, you can mail your contributions in to Post Office Box 49773, Athens, Georgia 30604. Thank you and blessings.